Well, Jesus, we just come before you. And God, we just thank you for your presence with us, God. God, we thank you for all the things in our lives that we take for granted. And God, your word says to whom much is given, much is required. I think sometimes, God, we don't really grasp what that means. God, we just pray you'd open up our hearts this evening to hear from you, Lord God, and pray, Father, that you would speak, that you would have your way this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thanks for coming out. We know it's snowing, but we're glad that you're with us. Um, Mark chapter 9, verses 41 says this. This is Jesus speaking. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Anyone who gives a cup in the name of Jesus, a cup of cold water. How many of you have been really, really thirsty before? How many of you think you've been thirsty before, right? Um, I don't just mean thirsty. I mean the kind of thirsty where you're, and I think I've said this before, where you, know, you go to a grocery store and you know, you're just dying of thirst, and so you grab a two liter of Coke, you grab a gallon of Gatorade. You ever done this? No? I've done this. All right, thank you. NJ and I have done this, right? Thank you, NJ, at least. But there's no way you can possibly drink this. But at that time, you're so thirsty, you just grab everything and water. Then you get back home and you start drinking, you know, you drink a little bit of something before long. Like, you can't drink all of that. But, but how many of you been really thirsty when it's been maybe after a sports event, maybe after soccer, maybe after running a marathon or running a race or, or whatever it may be, working out? Um, some of you have been to Haiti with us, know, you know, what it's like to be in a dry environment, a hot environment, a dusty environment. Um, even as Ritha was speaking earlier, you know, many people who, um, from different parts of the world, especially in Africa, know what that's like. Um, but that kind of thirst, how many of you have been that kind of, of, of thirsty? From my different experiences in life, um, I've had times of, of being thirsty. Um, and when you're that thirsty, nothing really satisfies you except for water. You guys had that experience? You'll have a big glass of Coke or whatever, and it just leaves you feeling like kind of sticky inside of your mouth or Gatorade. It just doesn't quite do it. But man, when you can really drink a bunch of water, uh, that really satisfies, that really fulfills. Um, now, I just want you to imagine that you're, you're that thirsty, all right? Everybody just go there in their, in, in, in their minds for me and... As you're thinking about how thirsty you are, I want you to think about what you would drink. That leaf and grass in here. All right. So you're that thirsty. And in your thirst, which one would you rather drink? The one on the left. Thank you, John, right? I love these challenging questions that glad tidings you get, all right? I know this is really hard, but, but I was going to say before you answer that, not that I know, don't know what your answer will be, before you answer that, all right, which one you will drink, both of them are similar. Both are water. Both are wet. 
And both will provide you with somewhat of immediate satisfaction for that thirst that you have. Right? But one will lead you to sickness, and one will lead you to to life. So based on that, I'll ask you the same dumb question again. Would you drink the bottle of spring water that's labeled and purified and clean on my left hand, or would you drink this muddy water in my right? And your answer is this one, right? Let me ask you another question. What if this one was a lot closer to you? You'd wait. All right. And I figured you would say that because I'm a smart man. <laughs> I figured you'd say that. So here's, let me ask you another question. How long would you wait? How far would you go to get this? Would you wait 10 minutes? Would you go a mile? Would you go two miles, three miles, four miles? How about 15 kilometers? How about half your day? How about, I love how Rudolf said, you know, it wasn't that hard going six miles like from a Weymouth distance to get water for the cows, right? I think all of us are thinking, yeah, I don't know, who has time for that, right? Would you walk from Weymouth, even with a donkey, to come and get this, right? Now, what if you didn't have a choice? What if this is all that you had? What if this is all that you had? There was no choice. It was just like, no, this is what you've got. And, and you know that this isn't the healthiest for you. And you know it's probably going to make you sick. But really at that moment, you're so thirsty. I've watched quite a few of those little survivor shows that you see on TV. And uh, it's interesting when people go without water for two or three days. And you see uh, a couple of people trying to survive. And And at one point, I've seen this on several different episodes where the person goes, man, I don't care if it's dirty. I am so thirsty. I'm going to take a chance. And I'm like, you ever seen those shows? I'm going to take a chance, and I'm going to drink this. And some get away with it, and some hours later, they're doubled over in pain, and they're hurting. There are people around us that don't have choice. This is all that they have. Millions of people, in fact, all over the world, they don't have access to clean water. So as a church, why, why, why do we care? And as a church, what is God saying to us in response to this? What I love about Scripture, what I love about Jesus is that he doesn't just care about your spiritual needs, he cares about your physical needs. If you look at Jesus and you look how he actually moved and what he actually did is he came and, and he healed the sick, right? He made the blind see, the cripple walk. He did that many times before even touching them spiritually because he cared about their physical needs. In fact, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 says this, if anyone has material possessions, and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Jesus says, man, there's going to be times in your life that as a Christian, as someone who proclaims to love me, you're going to see people 
you're going to come across people just on your everyday path that are going to have needs. And these people are going to have needs that, honestly, you can provide. What he says is if, if you pass by them, when you have the means to meet their needs, how can the love of Christ be in you? Why do you think Jesus would say that? You know, we get, this, we get told the, the story of, of the Good Samaritan. Why are we told the story of the Good Samaritan? And then we get told what I just read earlier. If anyone gives you, this found in different, different uh, uh, gospels, but if everyone gives just a, a glass of water in my name, why does Jesus care about that? See, Jesus cares about the physical need, not just the spiritual need. And the truth is this, so many times the door to reaching or meeting the spiritual need is open through meeting the physical need, isn't it? The door to, 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 to reaching and meeting that spiritual need, which is the real need. Think about it. When that paralyzed man was lowered down before him, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. He knows the real need is the spiritual need, but doesn't take away from the physical need. And Jesus says, man, you've got to be about the physical need. That means you've got to be about the physical need right here in the country that we live in. And we've got to be about, about the physical need in the countries around us as well. Never before, never before have we been able to reach across oceans like we can today. Never before can we touch our neighbors. And so what I love about the hearts of our young adults is several years ago, God gave them this vision for this enormous project. And they tackled it. And it's huge. See, in the Rift Valley in Kenya, there's a school, and there's a community, and that school has about 300 students and about 1,300 people in the village. And as you saw the pictures there, Esther's been there, they have need of, of clean water. The water that they, that they have is, is water like this, and it's shared with cattle, and it's shared with, with all kinds of germs, and so... The same water that they will bathe in, the same water that the cattle are urinating in is the same water that they're drinking. And that's reality. And they are getting sick. And so our neighbors in the Rift Valley in Kenya have a need. And from my understanding, they were on no one's radar screens until the Lord laid it on the hearts of our young adults. And so they need clean water. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to give it to them. Amen? And it's bigger than us. It's a huge need, but I will tell you one thing. It is not bigger than God. And one thing I've learned about the hearts of the people in this church is is that you guys are a group of people that give and give and give, and you care about people's needs. And so we'll recognize right now, this is a huge project. We're talking about phase one. We're talking about taking finances and drilling. And so when they say, hey, listen, we need to pray that there is water there, it's because we need to pray that they hit water. They've done the tests, and they say it's probable, it's really highly likely that we're going to hit it, but honestly, it's always a gamble when you drill. So when they say, hey, we need to pray that they hit water, we want to ask you guys, please pray. Because there will be people gathered around when we drill 
all right, in the Rift Valley, there will be people gathered around just waiting, hoping, praying, and trusting that they will hit water. I want you to imagine the scene because it's real. This happens. And, man, if they hit water, they will be dancing. There will be all kinds of excitement. And that's phase one. And we have a part in that. We believe God has called us, and as God has especially called the young adults to head, to head this way and raise the money. And they've been raising tons of money or a lot of money, and now it's our turn to jump in there and get with them. And we can, we can do this. And I believe, uh, based on the calculations that they have put together, that we can do this here pretty quickly. And so we want to do this. We want to ask you, please pray. Pray that we can hit water. Please take your, 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 your do, the, do the beverage fast and, 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 and take that money and put it to the side and give it to, um, to the church, and it'll all go towards the drilling of this, of this well. But meeting the physical need is incredibly important. It's important for us. Again, the chief need that we have to meet is the spiritual need, and Jesus recognized that, right? But before Jesus died on the cross for our sins and defeated sin, death, and the grave, first he spent how much time walking around healing people, touching people, right? Making the lame walk, making the blind see. He spent a lot of time healing people and casting demons out. And so when he says, hey, there is something to this, you need to go out and make disciples, but also he's given us the power and the authority because we're attached to him to, 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 to pray for people and see people get healed and see people get delivered. Because he knows that if we meet the physical needs of people, then that's going to open the door to the spiritual needs, and that's where the real need is is the spiritual need. See, these people in the Rift Valley, their real need is not just clean drinking water. See, their real need, no different than ours. This is where we connect, where our worlds connect. Their real need is spiritual water, that life-giving water that only comes from Jesus Christ. That's the real need. But for us to be able to give that to them, to point them in the right direction, takes us doing something like this. Can you imagine where they gather up to get their water, and as they gather up to get their water, they're told stories about how Jesus healed people and set people free. When they're told, hey, how, how come this well exists? They understand it's because there's a church who loves God first, and because they love God, they love other people, and because they love these people, they've dug this well, and then it opens the door for them to hear the gospel of who Jesus is. This well has the ability to change lives, to change people, to turn people to Christ. See, here's the truth, right? The real need is the spiritual need. It's in Jesus. And without Jesus, there's emptiness inside. That emptiness exists in the world that we live in amongst people that we work with exists amongst, honestly, in people that come to this church. There may be some sitting here tonight that, that, honestly, they are empty inside. They don't have Jesus. And in their emptiness, they strive after, they run after everything and anything that they can that will provide or suggest that it will provide satisfaction or fulfillment. They run after money, they run after relationships. They run after sex. They envy. They run after different careers, and some go for drugs. 
because they're so desperate inside to fill the emptiness of their hearts. They're so desperate for, for fulfillment. They're so desperate for joy. They're so desperate for peace. And it's in that desperation, or let me suggest to you, it's in that thirst that they're willing to spiritually drink this instead of this. And so this situation, if you want to really understand what we're talking about, this is the water of life that Christ gives. And this is the fulfillment of the world that the world gives. And all around us, there are people running, desperate and thirsty and empty, and all they can find to drink is this. And so in their hope for satisfaction, in their hope for fulfillment, and for their hope for joy, and in and, and their hope for peace, they, they, they grab a hold of this stuff, and they go, man, this is it, and this is, this is what the world says, this is my career, and this is, you know, this is, this is going to give me all the joy and all the peace, and they just take it and start knocking it back and guzzling it, and it satisfies for a few moments. Or if this is a relationship, if I found my hope and I found my fulfillment in a woman or a man or in a relationship or whatever it may be, I found it in drugs, I found it in whatever, and they begin to guzzle it and guzzle it and guzzle it and it satisfies like dirty water will for a moment. But then what happens? The same thing happens spiritually to them that happens to them if you were to drink this water right here. It leads them to pain. It leads them to sickness. It leads them to a position of being far worse off than they were before they even began to drink this. See, this is happening also in the Rift Valley. They don't just need clean water. They need spiritual, life-giving water that comes from Christ. And when we put a well in there, we're able to get their attention. We're able to point them to Christ. We're able to, to, to send people to, to love on them, to tell them why we're doing this and lead them to Christ. And it's the same thing that's happening here. People are running after things that do not fulfill, water that is impure, water that will lead them to death. It'll lead them to emptiness It'll only leave them thirsting and sick and craving something that really, really satisfies. Is there anyone in here that may be chasing this? Is there anyone in here that's maybe drinking from the wrong source, chasing the wrong fulfillment? I tell you one thing, there are people in here that have drunken from this, aren't there? Right? There are people here who drank this. They know the effects of this. They know the pain. They know the hurt. They know the sickness. It doesn't even begin to compare to this, does it? What Christ offers. I love what Jesus says. Actually, what Scripture says, it says in Isaiah, it says this, Come, all of you who were thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And you'll labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. 
Hear me that your soul may live. Come, all those who are thirsty, come and drink. John chapter 4, verse 13 through 14. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to an eternal life. Man, those of us who have no longer drinking this have a huge responsibility on us, don't we? It's a responsibility maybe we don't necessarily want, or necessary like, but the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so when we have, we, who all of us used to drink this, and Jesus took this from us, when we found this, he said, look, let me take this from you, and let me get rid of it, and let me replace it with, with living water that comes from me, and when you start drinking water that comes from me, it will produce in you this, this, well of, this river of living water that will just well up inside of you, and you will keep producing. Guess what? You keep producing this living water, and it flows out from you into other, other people. And, and then he says, listen, we're, we're going to go out in this world and we're going to, to meet people's physical needs like the young adults are doing and what we're going to do in the Rift Valley. And we're, we're not to just keep it overseas. We're going to do it right here in our neighborhoods and right here in our, in, our, in our workplaces. Wherever we go, when we see physical need, each one of us will have an opportunity to meet that need. I want to ask you, how are you doing with that in your own life? How are you doing that? I know that we see so many physical needs that we can't meet, but then God will put in our path physical need that we can meet. Someone who is hurting, someone who's struggling, someone who's challenged. How are you doing when that comes across your path? Sometimes we say, you know what, I'm going to pray for them. And praying is great, but praying is not all God's called you to do. A lot of times God says, no, I want you. And this is the picture of the Good Samaritan. No, I want you to get in the ditch with them. And yeah, you might get dirty. And yeah, it might cost you. And yeah, people might say things about you. But I want you to get in the ditch with them. And I want you to begin to bandage their wounds. And I want you to begin to, to, to just to love on them and strengthen them and help them. And I want you to pay for them and, and, and get them up. And so sometimes, sometimes we use prayer as a cop-out, don't we? Hear what I'm saying? Sometimes we use prayer as a cop-out where we kind of say, you know, I'm pray for someone and then we'll leave it there. But what this world needs and what God's called us to do is to get in the ditch with those who are, who are, who are hurting. To not turn a blind eye to people in Kenya and the Rift Valley, even though they're thousands of miles away. We have the ability to touch their lives. And I love that God has laid it on the hearts of our young adults so we don't need to walk away from that, but even more so, we don't need to walk away from the people that God has put around us in our own lives. I can promise you this. If he hasn't already, he's going to put someone in your life. You're going to come across somebody who has a physical need that you have the ability to meet. It might cost you, but I want to challenge you to look for it. I want to challenge you to look for it, and I want you to pray about how you respond when you see it. And here's the thing. You, it, it, it might not lead to spiritual fruit right away. It doesn't matter. 
It's not about that spiritual um, fruit happening. It's not about them finding spiritual life right away. It's about just meeting their needs and eventually, guess what? It leads to those questions like, why on earth did you do this? And when those people who are hurting begin to ask those questions, why did you do this? Guess what? That's when the doors fly open and you're able to say, let me tell you about who Jesus is. Let me tell you about what he did for me. Let me tell you about what he's done for me. Let me tell you how once I used to drink the same water you drank. But there's nothing in it for you. You can lead them to life. Jesus spent his life on people, healing people. Again, he made the lame walk. He made the blind see. He healed thousands of sick people. In fact, he healed them so much that they would chase him around. He had to try and run away just to get some time, some peace, right? They wanted to be around him all the time. But after meeting that physical need, he met the greatest need of all and dying for them on the cross. I want to ask our, our deacons to come up and prepare to serve communion. One of the things I love about Jesus is that he doesn't just tell us what we should do, but he first did it himself. The Bible tells us that uh, while we were still sinners, right, he died for us. Jesus saw us in our spiritual need. He saw us in our physical need, and he didn't stay safe and sound at a distance, but rather what? He came to this world and honestly, he climbed in a ditch with us, didn't he? He got into our dirt. He got into our shame. He got into our pain. He got into everything, our rejection, and he walked it with us. In fact, he took it upon himself. He was persecuted He was rejected. He was hated. Yet he took it on him, on himself, to bring us life. He healed the sick. He made the lame walk. The deaf could hear everyone he touched. And then he went to a cross. And he died for us to set us free. He didn't just call us to do this. He did this first for us. And he says, this is, this is what Christianity is. He challenges us. And now he says, now because I've done this for you, you must go and do it for other people. Would you bow your heads this morning or this evening? Who is it that God has put in your life right now? I think maybe for some of you, you can probably even picture someone. If you can't, maybe you should ask God to identify that person. Just as Jesus died for you and died for me, just as he got in the ditch with us, 
Would you dare to ask God? Would you dare to ask God who he wants you to get in the ditch with? And how he wants you to help. And I believe as you ask him, he will show you. As you trust him, he will lead you. And as you begin to reach out and meet those physical needs, he'll reach out and meet their spiritual needs. And just as you found life through him, they will find life through you. As Christians, if we don't live that, our Christianity is worthless. Because that's what it is. God wants to use you and me to make a difference. He wants to use you in Kenya. He's going to use you in Kenya. He wants to use you in Weymouth and he wants to use you in Quincy and Randolph and Brockton Holbrook, wherever you may live, he wants to use you. And if we will surrender our lives, and if we will surrender a cup of coffee, we can make a difference in Kenya. And if we will surrender our lives here, man, what if you surrendered your cup of coffee every month and you took those finances, you began to pour it into the people around you? God wants to use you. Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him. If we're going to do this in remembrance of him, we have to remember why he did it. And without repeating everything, that's why he did it. The greatest way we can honor communion is to live it out in our lives for those around us. So as we bow our heads, If you have any unconfessed sin, would you bring it to him and ask him to forgive you and set you free? And if you're here this morning or this evening, and honestly, maybe your life is defined more by drinking that dirty water. We've talked about that. Maybe you're saying, man, that's me. I've been guzzling down the wrong stuff trying to find fulfillment, you're trying to find peace, you're trying to find joy, you're trying to find some kind of satisfaction and you're chasing the wrong things and it's just leading you down the wrong path over and over again. I want to tell you that the only one that will ever be able to give you fulfillment is in Jesus Christ. And before you this morning, he holds out that clean bottle of spring water he holds it in front of you while the world holds out that dirty bottle and he's telling you choose life choose life I want to pray a prayer and give you a chance to accept him this morning this evening before we go into communion if that's you and you want to throw that dirty water away and choose that spring water that life giving water just pray this prayer with me he'll come in and he'll heal you from the sickness of the dirty water. 
and you replace it with that life-giving water. And rivers of living water will well up inside of you and flow from you if you'll give your life to him. Well, Jesus, we come before you this evening and we just thank you for your presence. But we thank you that you, when you saw us in our need, you didn't leave us there. You didn't distance yourself from us, but you came. You lived among us and you walked with us and you walked in our pain and our hurt and with us. And God, you went through every temptation that we went through. You healed us and you died on the cross. And you forgave us. This evening, Lord, I just recognize that you are the Son of God. And I ask you now to forgive me for my sins as I give my life to you. Would you come into my life? Would you heal me? Would you heal me of all the sickness and all the pain and all the hurt that I have from drinking from the wrong well? I give my life to you that I might live for you serve you forever. In Jesus' name.